sometimes I just want to feel comfortable. I want to be able to run my errands and still feel like I can go from the gym to the grocery store. That's why I love Viore. Viore has got joggers on lock. Flattering, well-fitting, cute colors. That is what we call versatility. They've got this jogger, the performance jogger. That's the one that I'm talking about. The softest joggers you'll ever own. Bunch of new colors came in, so cop them. Viore is an investment in your own happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash heat check. That is V-U-O-R-I dot com slash heat check. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viori.com slash heatcheck and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we answer a very important question. What is happening with our dubs? Our dubs are in free fall right now, and I need to know what is going on, folks. So, yeah, it's a Golden State episode. We break down everything. Not only do we get into my opinions, but we also are joined by two special guests, the Light Years Boys, two of the hottest podcasters on these blue wire streets. I think they're honestly probably the best follow on Twitter for a team duo, like somebody that covers an NBA team, their engagement's through the roof, they're funny as fuck. They're not afraid to say what truth it is. And so we get to the truth. What's happening with our dubs? So much to get into, Nick. So drop that beat. By now, you probably know. You probably know the truth about what's going on with the Golden State Warriors. But if you're living under a rock right now, Warriors, as we sit... Are six and nine. It's bad. And 0 and 8 on the road. 0 and 8 on the road, losing to, to teams like the Detroit Pistons, like the Orlando Magic, like the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo. The worst start ever in history for any defending champion ever. That's a stat. So, what's going on? Well, well, things are not going as well as they thought. Things started about as bad as possible. Before the season even began, as we all know, if you don't know this, I don't know, you just must not be following the game. Uh, the Warriors got involved with what Steve Kerr called the greatest crisis in his time with the team. The punch hurt around the world. Draymond Green cold-cocked Jordan Poole and knocked him smooth the fuck out. And then the video was leaked. And then that was even worse. The Warriors had to go into full crisis mode. Draymond is going to be suspended. They're finding in a, somebody who's they're running an investigation. Who's the one who leaked the video and sold it to DMZ? And you know what? Nothing's really ever been good since. Like Jordan Poole, the guy who got cold cocked, he hasn't been the same. He's not starting. He was sixth man of the year candidate. He hasn't been good. The whole season has been one long crisis after crisis. But it all comes to a head. Last night, two nights ago, because you're probably listening to this on Friday, absolute ass whooping by the Phoenix Suns. 130 to 119. And 
What'd Steph do on that night? Uh, checks notes. Had 50. Put up 50 points. A 50 nugget piece. And you know what? He didn't seem happy. Think of that. A historic night for Steph, and the team basically still got blown out. Before last night, Steph had 50 or more 10 times in his career. Think about that. Actually, for just one second. Steph Curry has had 50 points or more 10 times or more. That's crazy. They've only lost twice in those 10 times. This is the bottom line about this loss. If Steph Curry puts up 30, a normal 30-point night, which is what he's averaging right now, this team loses by 31 points. Pretty much how the game felt, not close. Mikael Bridges absolutely sunned Klay Thompson on the bench, splashing a three and then throwing the three fingers in Clay's face to essentially mock Clay for throwing up four for four rings, just like three more points in you guys' face. I'd say it's rock bottom right now for our dubs. Right, right, right now our dubs are in peril. We need to support them, and we need to identify what's going wrong. And we need to really sort of analyze and diagnose how it gets better. The light years, boys, called it the worst loss of the year by far. So what is wrong in Golden State? I have five things that I think are wrong. One, no depth or veteran role players. Two, claim is boo-boo right now. Three, they have a bottom three defense in the league. Trash defense. The thing that the Warriors do really well, they suck at. Four, young guys that are supposed to step up, not performing. In some ways, regressing. And five, the vibes are bad. It's bad vibes. All the things you think of when you think of the Warriors, the shimmying, the night-night, the pretending to boo-boo on the court. None of those things, yeah, he does that. None of those things are happening right now. Nothing. Not the three, turn around, look at the crowd. Not a smile, not a wink, not a laugh. So first and foremost, let's talk about the no depth. None. For a team that was rolling 12 deep last year, the guys off the bench this season have largely been on milk cartons. Let's be honest. Here are the players off the championship team who are no longer with the Warriors. Namin Bialicha, I think. Damian Lee. Gary Payton II, Otto Porter, Juan Toscano-Anderson, JTA, Quinn Weatherspoon, and Chris Chioza. Like, maybe you don't think this is, like, a good role player. Maybe this, like, this doesn't move you. But if this doesn't move you, let me introduce you to the role players now because <laughs> it's really bad. None of those guys, with the exception of Gary Payton II, is really known to any non-Warriors fan. But you take them as a whole, and they all play well. They all know their role. Damian Lee was really, really good. Otto Porter was a plus 14 in the 19 playoff games last year and a plus 110 overall for the playoffs. That's pretty good for a guy off the bench. Gary Payton was a combined plus 35 in his final five games against the Celtics. Damian Lee spent four years in the Warriors system. Toscano Anderson, three. Those guys knew the ropes. They knew what Warriors basketball looked like. They replaced those vets with Jamichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo, two players with zero experience playing in the Golden State system. So is it a shock 
that the Warriors are falling apart when the second unit is on the floor. And now you've got Jordan Poole that has to be the floor general. Sorry. They don't call it uh, Poole pool regiment. They call it the pool party. You know what I mean? They call it the pool party. Pool, Jordan Poole wants to come in and get buckets. It's not uh, the pool orchestra. You know? It's the pool party. We're getting fucking lit. You know what I'm saying? And now Jordan Poole has to be the guy that runs this ship. I don't, they don't call it the, the pool pilot. No. Number two, Clay. Clay t- is just terrible. It's just, just a bad, it's boo-boo right now. And I hate to say, I love Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson grew up in Portland. Yeah, I have a special love for Portland guys. John Hollinger said this, and I was like, damn. Damn, it's so true, and it's such a shot. It's like a, it's like a knife to the heart. John Hollinger said, quote, I didn't think I'd have Clay Thompson turning into Russell Westbrook on my bingo card, but here we are. Problem is, that savage statement's kind of true, is it not? Clay is, he is in a slump. He's in a terrible shooting slump. He is not himself, and this is, let's be honest, it's, it's hurting the Warriors. Hurting the Warriors in every single facet of the game. And he's one of the best shooters of our generation. And what do shooters do when they're in a slump? They fucking keep shooting. That's what they do. Have you seen Russell Westbrook? That's what he's doing, and he's not even a shooter. And the Warriors, problem with that little mentality is the Warriors are losing games because he's chucking from the logo and he's bricking. And everyone knows, his teammates included, know that's just not going in. Soon as he as soon as he lets it fly, everyone starts to look the other way to go back on defense. And not because he's gonna make it. Not because he's gonna make it. He's had exactly one 20-point scoring game this year. He has had eight games with five or more missed threes. He is shooting a an atrocious 35% from the field. Not from three, from the field this year. And worse, everything is drawing the front of the rim. He's got no lift in his legs. We'll get into that. But it all came to a head last night because not only was Clay Thompson, two nights ago, not only was he terrible, six for 17 from the field, three for nine from three, but it was just the teammates looking at him like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Staff just looking resigned, like, ugh. Like, Steph, if you look back at the tape, because I did this afternoon, he, Steph's just like, he's got his hands in the air as soon as Clay lets it fly. Jordan Poole puts his hand on his head. Who does that? He's like, oh, no. Yes, Draymond shaking his head. Just, ugh, yuck. Three seconds into the shot clock. Two seconds into the shot clock. Chuck, chuck. A very crucial point in time, too, in the third quarter. When is the last, ask me, riddle me this. When is the last time you have ever seen Steph Curry look absolutely exasperated by Klay Thompson? Like this fucking guy. Never. Never. Now. The answer is now. Only. So this is, and Clay, Clay wasn't bad in the finals or in the playoffs. Because a lot of people were like, oh, he's never going to be the same again. He's not at full strength. That injury really fucked him up. And to that I say, yes, he's not going to be 2019 Clay again. However, 
He averaged 19-4 and 2 in the playoffs. It's pretty good. He averaged 17-3 and 2 in the finals. That was 5 months ago. So why is he so bad right now? This is what I think happened. I've been doing some thinking. I've put my thinking cap on and trying to get into the Clay Thompson soul. One, I mean, he played great. And then you go into an offseason and you've been partying and celebrating and now you need to get back into it. But what happened the last time you were in an offseason where you weren't just rehabbing and rehabbing and rehabbing? Because let's be honest, Clay Thompson wasn't able to play pickup games last summer. No, he wasn't. He was in a PT room stretching out his ACL, doing work on his Achilles, doing mobility stuff, doing strength work. He wasn't up and down at Lifetime Fitness with Devin Booker. No. So this is the first year he was able to really do those off-season runs that they talk about. Five-on-five drills, all that stuff. So what does he do? He's like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm not going to do that because that's where I popped my Achilles last time. So he stays away. There's articles written about Klay Thompson's not doing pickups. He's not doing scrimmages. None of that. His training camp, he comes in late, and he's out of shape. I mean, not out of shape for you and me, but out of shape for an NBA player. And his conditioning has declined, and thus when he starts playing games, when your conditioning isn't right, and your legs don't have lift because you're not strong or, you know, endurance, which only comes from playing basketball, not from doing anything else. You can only do it by playing basketball. When that conditioning is not up to par and you're playing 30 minutes a game, now you're hitting the front of the rim in your threes. Now you don't have lift. Now you're not able to sustain a full game and play at that level. So now your performance is declining. And now what happens? Me, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless. Stephen A., all these pundits are, who else? Charles Barkley. Clay's not the same. Clay's washed. Something's wrong with Clay. I don't know, man. He shouldn't be on this team. He's never going to return back to where he was. And Clay's like, dude, I'm still getting back to where I'm supposed to be. I didn't play any basketball this offseason. You're bad, Clay, but also I get it. That's what trauma does. That's how mental anguish works. He's got his own stuff to work out. And then what happens when the world comes after him? Emotionally, it's the first time that Clay physically isn't able to do what he wants and everyone has expectations that he will. And emotionally, that shit has a toll. And now he's fighting with Ronnie 2K over his rating and he's calling him a clown and he's popping off at Devin Booker getting ejected from games. And now he's doing articles with Ramona Shelburne on his sailboat. And now he's doing one-on-ones with Chris Haynes. And now you're like, I think Clay's in his feelings. I think Clay, now he's saying, listen, just remember I was a part of those four championships. Never forget that shit. I'm still that guy. And it's like, yo, Clay, nobody ever said you weren't a part of those four championships. We're just saying you're boo-boo right now. And I think that Steve Kerr's comments show that this theory has some truth to it. I uh, took a lot of quick shots. You know, he, Clay um, continues to come down and, and uh, try to shoot his way out of a, an early season slump um, every night. And um, he, he's, he's, he's pressing. He was pressing tonight. And uh, the guy's got a, a lot of weight on his shoulders with um, the injuries and uh, where he feels like he is right now, where he wants to be. Um, 
you know, so we have to help Clay, uh, help him get out of his own way. And when he... Get out of his own way! Get through his frustration, the game will come to him, and he'll be, he'll be fine. And he's going to play at a really high level, because he's still got it. Clay's still got it. Uh, but right now, he's, um, he's playing in a frustrated manner. It's leading to a lot of uh, quick shots. And um, he knows that. Um, and we've got to help him through that. And we, we know how much Clay has done for this franchise and, uh, and our city, the Bay Area. So we're going to help him, help him through it, and he's going to get there. Support Clay. Support him. So I don't think that this is a long-term problem. I think he just needs to get back into condition. He eventually will be himself. He's never going to be 2019 Clay again. But that pure shot doesn't go away. But in the present, like I said, he's had not one but two interviews dropped this week. One from Chris Haynes, one from Ramona Shelburne. And they feel very emo, honestly. He's trending right now on Twitter at this very moment. And Clay returning to some version of at least where he was in the playoffs last year, is absolutely critical. And if he doesn't, it's night-night sleep mask for them. Uh, number three, this is a bad defense. Like, just really bad. Top three, or bottom three defense in the league. Top three worst. Only the Rockets, Pistons, and Spurs have a worse defense than the Golden State Warriors right now. I don't know if it's because of Gary Payton not being there, maybe because Clay isn't mobile right now as he's getting back into things. He's a big two-way defender for them Andrew Wiggins can't do it all but they are fucking horrible like horrible defense currently ranked 27th in the NBA 114.1 after being second in the league at one point in another number one in the league they were just like a little boa constrictor on really great offenses like Boston they made Boston look like they were kids like they they didn't know how to play basketball they're 22nd in steals right now they were fourth last year, 24th in blocks, They're and in defensive rebounding percentage. They were sixth at that last year. They're 22nd in second-chance points given up. They were ninth last year. This is just a terrible defense, just in every way, like top to bottom, just trash. And I think some of this is obviously because those good defenders are missing, but the returning players aren't as good as they were last year either. Clay's not good. Looney's not good. Jordan Poole's never good. Draymond Green is is playing okay, but not nearly to the elite level that they need them to. Are they going to continue to be boo-boo? Probably not. Will they have an elite defense? Definitely not, in, unless they have a trade. Barring a trade, this defense is middle of the road at best. Number four, young guys not performing. Joe Lacob is, like, so fond of saying, we've got these two timelines. We've got two timelines. We've got the young guys. We've got the dynasty guys. And they're all going to operate together, and it's just going to flow seamlessly. You've got Steph, Clay, Dre, and then you've got the young guns that are the next generation of stars, like Kaminga and Moody. And, and he wants them both to coexist and play basketball together on the court at the same time. I'm not sure, so sure that's possible. Last year... They thought that was a win for the two timelines. Was it a win? No. Why? Because the, the young guys didn't play a fucking lick when it mattered, right? They didn't. Wiseman wasn't around all year. Moody played very rarely in the playoffs. Kaminga played spot minutes. They did not need them. It was like eight veterans. Iguodala got a little bit of minutes. He was a veteran, obviously, for them. But the problem is not only are the young players playing bad, like they're unusable in some ways. They have regressed to the point where 
James Wiseman has been sent down indefinitely to the G League. Jonathan Kaminga, horrible. Horrible. He had a promising rookie year. He was averaging 9-3-1 on limited minutes. He's averaging 5-2-1 to the point where they're just not using him now. Mo- Moses Moody or Moses Modi, he was supposed to take a huge jump. Everybody was saying how good he looked in Summer League. Everybody was saying he was supposed to be the next big thing, how much he could help them. And you know what? He's regressed in every single category. Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole just got paid $123 million guaranteed, guaranteed, and he sucks. He won't shoot. He's like, as soon as he got knocked the fuck out, it's like he forgot he was a shooter. He's averaging 13 a game off the bench. He's a minus 95 for the season. And we already talked about Wiseman. I talked to a couple of high-up Warriors folks at the Summer League about this team and how good they were going to be and what we should expect from them. And obviously, since I'm a a loyal Dubs fan that I am, just lifelong, I said, uh, well, obviously, this is championship team again, right? This championship caliber team. And they said, you know, now that our role players like Gary Payton and and Otto Porter are gone, Bielich is gone, if Kaminga and Moody aren't good, this team isn't going to – we're not going to be good, period. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's saying a lot. They're like, we need them to be good in order for this team to be good. And let me say this. That does not bode well for this team whatsoever because neither one of them are being used, let alone good. Safe to say the two-timeline thing is not working out like they were hoping it would. Number five, most importantly, terrible vibes that the Warriors have. Just terrible. Steph put up 50, right, against the Suns. I did not see him laugh one time. We never saw Shimmy one time. This team is used to having fun. Beating up on everybody, laughing, dancing, boo-booing on the court, all these things. They're a team that wins with constant motion, stifling defense, beautiful passes, and, of course, just like killer threes, a barrage of threes, a deluge of threes, a tropical hurricane of threes, and joy. Lots of joy. No joy. The vibes are just abysmal right now. They feel If you saw this team and their lack of enthusiasm, you would think this was a team that hadn't won anything in, like, the last 20 years. Like, this is the Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic having more fun than the Warriors. Detroit Pistons, when they beat the shit out of the Warriors in Detroit, which I was live for, they look like they were having a lot more fun than the Warriors. And I think that's because Draymond Green decided he wanted to punch his teammate. That doesn't go away, folks. That doesn't, you don't just, like, get over that. He physically assaulted his teammate. He's still with the team, and the other guy's still with the team. And I think that's a vibe killer. The Warriors were a team that everyone used to fear, and now it feels like no one is afraid of them. Things are so bad right now that Steve Kerr compared how the Warriors are playing to what? To what? Like the the Detroit Pistons? To what? Like the OKC Thunder? No. To the Drew League. To the fucking Drew League, where guys who don't even play in the league come to become something. European players, guys who just are off the streets. This is what you had to say. Yeah, like I think um, if you know when you come down and you and you don't make a team guard and you just shoot the first open shot, um, 
guys aren't tired at all. They're not having to fight defensively. So everybody comes down and they're feeling good. Like I didn't even have to guard at the other end. Now I'm wide open. Uh, they're playing in transition, a lot of long rebounds leading to transition. So you're out of out of place uh, defensively. Um, so there's no collective grit. We lack grit right now. And if when you don't have grit, the game is really easy for the other team. These are NBA players. They spend all summer shooting thousands of jump shots just like our guys do. And so when those jumpers are, are easy and the game is easy and they don't feel, feel any physicality, uh, it's a Drew League game. We're, we're, playing, we're playing a Drew League game right now. Yikes. Yikes. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. In other words, there's no execution. It's basically just to pick up guys with Clay Thompson chucking five seconds into the shot clock. My lord. We're never going to panic. Like there's no point in you know in panicking. Um, what we have to do is is stay with it and uh, and and find it. But um, in order to find it, um, we've got to we got to every, get everybody on on board on. Yeah, on the, on the same page in terms of just worrying about winning, and that's it. And I think, um, for you know, for right now anyway, I think we're just scattered. We're, it's a pickup game. You know, it's a pickup game out there. So uh, there's no uh, no execution at either end. No no sort of uh, commitment to the group to get three stops in a row to execute on offense. Um, and it obviously starts with me. I'm the coach of the team, so I have to figure out a way to uh, to get that um, that production, that sort of commitment to the team and to each other, um, and to winning. Um, that that it's going to require. Basically, what that translates to is that my players aren't doing what I'm telling them to do. But for whatever reason, I can't motivate them, so I'm going to take the blame instead of blaming them to the point where they tune me out even more. That's what that means. The Warriors dynasty, as we know, has been built on quick scoring runs. You go and grab a drink. By the time they come back, you come back, they've gone on a 15-17-0 run. That's what they do. They shimmy-shimmy, they shake, they clown, they rock the baby, they go night-night, and then you're, you're getting none of that this year. None. Zero. A lot of that, I think, is due to the incident, the Draymond incident, and I think some way they're going to have to get over that. But all of that to say, I need help. I need help from the Light Years boys. What is going on? Our dubs obviously are in trouble. If they don't fix things, they could be partying like it's 2020, 2021 all over again, losing in the play-on tournament all the way out of the play-in. Hate to see it. So let's go to our guys to get their take. Sam Esfandiari and Andy Luke.
All right, let's welcome in Sam Esfandiari, who comes in late because he has a million jobs, and Andy Liu to the show. Sam and Andy, they host uh, one of my favorite podcasts on the Blue Wire Network called Light Years Podcast, a reference to the fact that the Warriors are light years ahead of everyone else, which I think is low-key kind of awesome since I'm a huge Dubs fan. Uh, The boys are the go-to for all things Warriors. We did an hour interview. They were really generous and gracious with their time in the middle of a work day. We talked about how much the punches loomed over the season, which was a lot. Uh, what is up with Clay Thompson? How do they fix that? How do they think that gets fixed? Can the Warriors' season be fixed? And what will that take? And is Kevin Durant still a possible Warrior for a trade? Some surprising answers from two of the most tapped-in guys, probably some of the best follows in the NBA and in the Warrior space. Great interview, so let's get into it. Our, our listeners aren't as yep. tuned in or plugged in on every detail of what's going on with the Warriors. So I think you guys are the really the vein and the artery into the soul of, of what the fan base feels um, on this team. So I wanted to get you on. Okay. When, when it happened, what were you like thinking? What was your take on it when it happened? And what's your take on it now? Oh, so look, this is... When it happened, I I was actually shocked. So we knew as Warriors fans that Draymond wasn't happy uh, that he was not in line to get an extension versus uh, Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole specifically, not not so much Andrew Wiggins. But the feeling around the team in the offseason was that everything was happy. Jordan Poole was happy. Draymond was happy. Draymond came out on a press conference and said, hey, listen, I know that at this point in my career – it makes a lot more sense for someone like Jordan Poole to get his money first. And so we all, it was great. They went to Japan. Everyone was petting porcupines and Draymond was speaking Japanese. It was all fun and games. And no less than a week later, he knocks Poole out. And I think with, with that uh, punch, I do think it affects where the Warriors at today, especially emo- emotionally, because everybody who, I mean, you don't need to be a Warriors fan to know that the Warriors are usually the happiest team in the NBA. Uh, you see Steph smiling uh, no matter what happens on the court. Last night, Steph Curry dropped 50 points. I didn't see him smile one single time. Now, I'm not saying that's Draymond's fault, but I do think a lot of the emotions around the team, even though they're not fighting about that now, I think a lot of it is under, under – I think it's under-mentioned that that changed the trajectory of how this team was always going to feel going to the season. And, uh, you know, outside of Clay and Poole playing terribly – I think that Draymond punch really changed the way, really changed the way this team uh, started the season. Do you feel like there was any real reason for it other than just normal smack talking? Because Draymond came out and was like, it had nothing to do with his contract. I don't care what another man makes. I don't count his pockets. Uh, pure lies, I think, when he said that. <laughs> I, I just, that's the only reason. I, I haven't. It's not that I have sources, but yet nobody has really heard otherwise that it's something else. It, it's it's the fact that Draymond knows that he's the second most important player on the Warriors, second or third most important player. Maybe Andrew Wiggins has become the second, but he's certainly more important to them winning than in the last five years and maybe even last season than Jordan Poole, right? And I think he looks at that and says, I've only ever made max 
you know, hundred million dollars on my contract. And here's this dude that's going to make 123 million guaranteed at 22 years old. He's lying. Everyone's lying. If you're saying you don't look at that and realize, dude, I'm the best defensive player of my generation. And I can't get paid as much as this guy who doesn't impact winning, especially in the postseason that I do. And honestly, Draymond's right. Right. I would agree with him, but such is life. Life isn't fair, right? Life isn't fair is what I would say to Draymond. And these things are just going to happen. And I think it's, it's fine to be mad, but man, he knocked the kid out and the, and then it leaked and, and then it leaked, which I think made it a million times worse because, you know, you've got, you've got Jordan Poole. Who's not, he's not really a made man in the NBA. He's really still trying to figure it out, even though he's got this big contract. And uh, you, I think you're seeing some of those effects. Like, He's getting attacked defensively. He's offensively. He's now the focal point of scouting reports along with Steph. And I think it's affecting the way he played. He had, he had, he had, he went over five last night in 27 minutes. Oh, the zero is not an issue. Took five shots. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? That's, that's insane. Two points on the night. The question, I think there's, there's a lot of people who are fan bases, you know, fans of other teams and they don't understand why Draymond is so important to this team and they think that he's going to be gone and that this all signals that, especially considering that Steve Nash or Steve Nash, Steve Kerr comes out and Steph comes out during that Ramona Shelburne piece and says, you know, the ends, the end of everything is really hard. It's there's never anything good that goes with that. Does that mean to you that that Draymond's gone after this year? The answer is maybe, which is the right answer, which sucks because nobody wants to hear that on a show. I would say maybe, but my my take is this. Coming coming into the season, I would have said yes. I would have just said, hey, he's gone. Uh, you you, I know Wiseman and Kaminga, this is before the season. You know, have a lot of promise, and they really haven't shown that yet, but maybe you think they get to some facsimile of a defensive presence. You think that offensively, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins are going to be good enough along with Steph and Clay that – you know, it, it, it's going to it's gonna help you overcome some of the Draymond ball handling and screening, right? But you watch the first 10, 15 games of the season, even though the Warriors are 6-9, and nine, they're not winning a championship without Draymond. They're not winning a playoff series without Draymond. And Steph knows that. Draymond knows that. Steve Kerr knows that. And I think that's where you start to see some of the issues with the Warriors where they're spending so much time, effort, and resources on someone like James Wiseman and, and frankly, someone like Kaminga, and none of that's even come close to – we're not talking about, like, oh, Kaminga's – you know, he, he's looking good. He's, he just needs more minutes to get there. It's like, no, he, he might just suck at basketball. And same with Wiseman. Like, he's so bad at basketball, he's in the G League. Like, we're not, we're not talking about, oh, he could play 10 minutes and, and – and, if he play and his per 36 is so good that if he plays 30 minutes, he's a star. Like the Warriors just need to give him that. No, he sucks. Like he sucks. He needs to play in the G League to just try to be in the NBA four years from now. Because as of right now, James Wiseman is playing in China four years from now. That's how bad he is. And things could wow. change quick, right? Things could change quick. Like Jordan Poole, things change very fast. Jordan Poole is the worst player in the NBA year one. It, change, it changes fast, but. As of right now, that's how bad those guys are. And if I were Draymond Green, I would I would, and it's not like he's having a great great season. He's having a good season. I would just plop my tape on the table to Bob Myers and Joe Lakeham and be like, "Guys, look. <laughs> I know you don't want to pay me, but what what else are you going to do? You're yeah. going to rebuild, right? That you're going to rebuild. What else are you going to do?" 
there's people who think that it's the Warriors' fault that James Wiseman hasn't progressed. I think the Warrior system does him no favors. Uh, it's a very – I wouldn't say, like, it's an intricate system, but it's a system that relies on basketball IQ, of which he has zero – uh, because of a few factors, right? I think because innately he doesn't have that type of IQ to play in the system. He also hasn't played many games in three years. Uh, so I think those are factors. He's definitely a guy that belongs in a more uh, like a like a standard modern NBA offense where it's just pick and roll, pick and pop, uh, that type of stuff where the Warriors don't really do that. The Warriors want you – like you can see Kaminga struggle with that a little bit. But I actually am bullish still on Kaminga because I do think he can figure that stuff out. It doesn't seem like Wiseman can figure that stuff out on the Warrior. So I think, I think to your point, that does him no favors. But I also think at the same time, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta be better than that. Like the guy, the guy is so, the guy is just so bad every time he steps on the floor, <laughs> offensively and defensively. It's, it's jarring. It's it actually, is. it's, it's making jokes about it. Legit makes you feel like a bad person. Thousand percent. <laughs> I I said this his, what was it, 2020, 2021, when we first met. And I said to you guys, I said, he looks like a deer in headlights. And that joke was fine then. And now it's like 2022, 2023. And he still looks like a deer in headlights now. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. now a, an entitled deer in headlights that wants the ball. You know what I mean? That's a good way to put it. It doesn't feel like 2020, 2021 again. To it's the you. exact. It's the so for those right that that didn't watch the Warriors. That was a season where Steph averaged thirty plus points. I think he averaged forty points on 50, 40, 90 for an entire month to get them to to get them to the play in game. He had to drag the Warriors to the play in game, playing next to Kelly Oubre, uh, Kemp Bazemore, JTA, heavy minutes. Draymond Green kind of was in and out that season. He wasn't very good. Jordan Poole was young. So he was dragging like a band of misfit toys uh, to the playing game where they lost to the Lakers and, and the Grizzlies. And, and I'd argue that the, that Steph is playing better this season. Uh, he had 50 points last night, right? Like I mentioned earlier on literally like five shots, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And he's dragging the Warriors. He's dragging the, war the Warriors to wins at home against bad teams. I know the Kings are having a good season, but he's having to play out of his mind just to beat teams at home and he's playing out of his mind on the road and they're not even coming close to win. They went 0-5 on a road trip that they lost to Detroit. They lost to Orlando. Uh, 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 they lost to Charlotte. I mean, those are three of some of the worst teams in the NBA. They lost to all of them. And let me tell you, they weren't even close. Like no, at no point in those games was I like, yeah, the Warriors are going to be like, they're going to come back. Like they choked some of those games, but it's this is a team that just is bad. They they might be worse than 2020, 2021 because they have better players. Clay Clay's playing. Wiggins is <laughs> Wiggins is he's better. Right? Jordan Poole is better. And uh and they're and they're worse. It's it's actually impressive the the way the Warriors <laughs> are doing this. It's actually impressive. Yeah, that's crazy to me too, because if you look at offensively, they are 10th in offensive rating, but Steph is balling out to such a degree that if you were to take Steph and put him into like a regular night, it like they would have scored 102 points last night total, right? They scored what one, yeah, 119 to 130. Yep, so 130. without if if Steph only scores instead of 50, if he scores, you know, 
27, you don't even hit the 100 mark, right? And 27 is a pretty decent scoring night. Why do you think things look so stagnant? So as bad as I talked about the young kids being, uh, those kids didn't play last night. And they went with a vet-heavy rotation. And uh, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole have been awful. Uh, Clay Thompson's more awful than Jordan Poole, but you've got two shooting guards. One of them shoots too much, and the other doesn't shoot. And that's really the – if Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole played to the same uh, level that they did last season, this team right now, 6-9, and nine, probably 9-6. Nine and six. They'd probably be 9-6, and six, which is – you know, you'd be asking me like, oh, do we panic about the Warriors? But, you know, I'd say like, no, not really, right? They'll get better from there. But instead, those two dudes have been terrible. And, and kind of to break down each one, Klay Thompson wants so bad for it to be 2019. So bad. It's it's like he's like that old uncle that wants to relive his college career or high school career. And he wants to just, you know, uh, what, what's the uh, the point that it was Uncle Rico, right? He's talking yeah. about how he, he wants to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. He's talking about how he wants to be that guy again. And that's Clay Thompson. And, you know, part of that is endearing. Endearing, I never I never will slander Clay Thompson. That's, that's my guy. That's every Warriors fan's guy uh, for obvious reasons. Four titles, Torres ACL, Achilles, all of that. At the same time, he, I think, mentally is just not where he needs to be. And also, he's out of shape. He didn't play at all in the offseason, and I think that's part of it. Jordan Poole, on the other hand, he's coming off the bench. He thinks he should start, and he's probably right, but he's not going to. And when he comes off the bench, they're putting him with guys that he has to carry. And uh, as a kid that's still trying to make it in the NBA, he's trying to figure out how to carry teammates rather than be the guy like he was last season playing next to Otto Porter, playing next to GP2, where he has a great defensive four around him. So he can just go out there and just get buckets, right? He can just yeah. do his thing. Right now, it's like, how do I get guys involved? How do I figure stuff out on defense? Well, GP2 is not going to save me. Andre Godal is not out there to, to run the offense. I'm the guy that has to do all that. That makes life very difficult, which is why when you see him with the starting lineup where Draymond, Wiggins, and Steph are out there, he's going off. So those two guys are the biggest problem. And then outside of that, I think, that's the offensive issue. And then outside of that, I think defensively, they just, they don't have enough smart players. I mean, that's what happens when you've got seven kids on the team that are like 21. I don't know what I was doing at 21, but I definitely wasn't smart. So <laughs> these guys definitely aren't. And it's, it's, I mean, it's obvious. This is what I think is happening with clay. I want you to tell me whether you think this is right. Cause he was averaging 17, three and two in the finals. That's pretty good. It's not 2019 clay, but it's, that's a serviceable clay. Yeah. Yeah. And and defensively, he played pretty well against Jalen Brown. He wasn't, you know, two-way strap him clay, but he was pretty good. But this is what I think happened. I think that the trauma from the injury bled into the offseason because that gets you back to that place again. And you're like, I don't want to injure myself in a pickup run, so I don't play. I just don't play in pickup runs because I associate pickup runs with tearing something, tearing an, an Achilles being mm -hmm. out for another year again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he, his conditioning declines. And then because his conditioning declines, his play automatically declines as well. And everybody notices and everybody says and points it out. Clay's not the same. Clay's not the same. He sucks now. And then emotionally, he spirals from there because he wants to get back to that place. But he also wants the respect from the people for what he's already done and some grace to get him back to where he wants to go. And then emotionally, he sort of spirals. And then he's now pressing to show the world he's still elite 
when he's really not elite right now because of all those other things. Do you think that's right? I, I would agree. I would agree. I, I think it is a spiral spiral effect from from I think just not being ready to play basketball. It's it's a little shocking because I do think if it, if it's some this mental stuff I think affects everyone. I, I would say like if it was one person that I thought it would affect it would be Clay, just because kind of the shooter mentality he's always had, the calmness, the poise. It's why he made eleven threes in OKC Game Six. It's why he's Game Six Clay. It's why he pulled the Warriors out of so many situations. It's the mental toughness. But there's always going to be things I think that all humans are going to struggle with, and I think that's what Clay struggled with. And it's also shocking because this is coming at, like you said, after what he did in the NBA Finals. He came back. He actually led the Warriors in minutes, <laughs> which is insane. I thought he was back uh, coming into this. You know, my co-host Samus Fendiari and I thought that, you know, we we were bullish. We were like, well, Clay's going to come back and he's going to be nine. Like last season, he was seventy-five percent. He's going to come back. He's going to be eighty-five percent of what he had. And right now, he's like fifty percent of what he was before. And I I didn't. I didn't see that coming. And then you you compa- compound that, like you said, with the fact that he's just going to keep shooting. And for the first time last night, I know that Stefan Draymond has talked to him about being having better shot selection, but that's what makes Clay Clay. He's just going to shoot that stuff. But I think for the first time last night, we saw Stefan Draymond. They were, they were, they were exasperated. <laughs> And they showed it on the court, which you never see from Steph. You see from Draymond every day, but you never see from Steph. And um, that—that's where it's that's concerning to me. Yeah, they lost to Phoenix. They lost in Phoenix. Fine. I mean, they they do that. Phoenix is a good regular season team, but it's the it's you look at this team and you look at how they are mentally, and you're like, ooh, I don't know if they're gonna make it back from this. And if they do make it back from this, how good can they actually be when they do make it back from this? It's a lot going on with this team, and. Um, it almost it almost feels like a LeBron team where I think Steph is gonna have to go into to Bob and Joe's office at some point and just say, Hey, we gotta we gotta we gotta do something drastic, which is what LeBron would do. And uh which is what he's good at. I think uh Steph doesn't do that, but I think Steph also looks at his basketball mortality and says, I got two years left. Like I could maybe win three. five, yeah, maybe three. I could win five championships. You're telling me I could be on the, on the Kobe level of championships. I could, I could go one up on Braun because Braun's definitely not winning one, right? Uh, yeah. In the next few seasons, so he's like, dude, I could win five and be immortal forever, and I'm not freaking wasting my time with the crap shit I have around me, right? So he's not gonna request a trade. It's not what I mean, but it's like, what can we get for Wiseman? Yeah, what can we get for Kaminga? You know. So. Do you think that urgency actually exists for him right this second, or do you forecast that that urgency to to have that move be made and to have that conversation is something that's going to take place in the future? I think both, actually. I do think there is urgency right now. They're six and nine. I mean, they're not that far out from home court advantage. I think they're only a couple games. But it's like you watch the team. Just watch them. <laughs> they're, not a, they're not a home court team. All you got to do is just watch them for 10 minutes. And um, <laughs> and I and I think the, the trade deadline is in February. So I, it's Valentine's Day, right? So it's sometime yeah. in February. So they got, they got some time. But they – By I that think time, they, though. I mean, are they going to be 500? I think they know they need to make a move. I think they know that. I think they know that. I think it's not even urgency. I think it's just fact. They're not, they're not winning the championship as is. Um, 
But what is the move? Um, do they trade Wiseman for GP2? <laughs> we don't want him. We don't want him. Uh, I think that's the... <laughs> we don't want him. GP2 hasn't played yet. He hasn't yeah, played. but we don't want Wiseman. We know what Wiseman yeah. is. Yeah, Portland has incredible him. vibes. I watched some of the Portland games the last few weeks. Ugh. Simon's better than McCollum. Does he have a higher ceiling than McCollum? It's I just... think so because he's 6'5", 6'6", six six, yeah. instead yeah. of like 6'3". Yeah. And then I think Shaden Sharp's upside is just yeah, he ridiculous. Seems cool. Yeah, he had what fourteen points in twelve minutes the yeah. other night. Yeah, just sick. And Jeremy yeah. Grant's a lot better than I thought too yeah. on this team specifically. And I think because you guys would love some Jeremy Grant right now. I tell you so, what. <laughs> so Jeremy Grant is an interesting. So I, I've thought about this. Jeremy Grant, I think, is a classic. I think Kaminga is going to go through this, and and which is why I'm not bullish on on some of the kids. As a warrior, Jeremy Grant went to Detroit to do two things, right? He got his money and he got yep. his buckets. And I think when you look at someone like Jonathan Kaminga, Jonathan Kaminga wants two things right now. He doesn't want to sacrifice. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to play team winning basketball. And I get it. Right? I get it. He thinks he's a lot better than than what he should be doing on the Warriors. He wants to get his contract and he wants to get buckets. And you look at someone like Jalen Green, same thing, right? They they get free reign to do whatever they want. But then you're talking about the third team. So you're talking about the team after that. So now Jeremy Grant's on Portland, and he's saying, you know what? I got my money. I got my points. I'm trying to win. And I think that guys like Wiseman and Kaminga are like six years away from that. They need to understand that they're not good enough to carry a team like that and win. And I think Jeremy Grant realized that he knows that he's not good enough to be that guy. So he's like, cool. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna I'm gonna be this guy with Portland. I I think that's what Kaminga's career arc is. It's a standard career arc for a lot of NBA players because not all NBA players are superstars, right? So that's that's the predicament I think the Warriors have. Themselves. And he said something too in this article that I just read that was so, I thought, so uh, self-aware. He's He's basically saying, I'm not the fact that I can't get buckets and be the number one scoring option, but I can't be the leader of a team. Like, I can't make sure everyone's good. I can't be the focal point of a team. Like, I can get buckets, but ultimately, I need someone else. Otherwise, I'm going to draw double teams, and I'm going to be garbage. And there's not that many – and he said it gave him a lot of respect for guys who are actually true number ones to realize, I thought I was a number one. I wanted to be a number one. I wanted to be paid like a number one. And you know what? I realize I'm not a number one. But he can yep. guard point guards, and he he protects Dame from a defensive standpoint to the point where this is a top five defensive team in the league right now. Are they? Wow, that's that's amazing. That's sixth that's, in defensive rating. Yeah, that's. I mean, isn't that what Andrew? Isn't that what happened to Andrew Wiggins? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what happened to Andrew Wiggins. Who, I mean, he's that guy that protects Steph defensively. Oh, well, Steph is actually pretty good, so he protects Jordan yeah. Poole defensively now. So it's like. He's the guy that realized I can't be the number one option. I just, I can't, it's not possible. Now you became a warrior and second best player on a championship team. I mean, just simply put. Right. And so I think um, to pull it back to the warriors, you can't cheat uh, development and life lessons for these guys. You can't tell someone this like Andre Godala for, for all he can do. He can only tell Kaminga all these things. Kaminga has to go through it. Right. Yep. It's just it's just like life. You know, my your boys or, or your girl can only tell you, you know, that guy's not good for you or that girl so many times. But you got to go through it for you to actually realize that or not. Um, yeah. And I think it's 
that's what makes that's what's making this so hard for the Warriors. Which you know, I don't think they want to cut bait uh, on these guys. They definitely don't, right? On Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody. But man, if you're talking about the chance to win a fifth title versus the chance of maybe sort of being competitive four years from now. That's now this is where the time two timelines are actually hurting the Warriors. I don't know. Last year, it wasn't a victory for the two timelines because at the end of the day, the Warriors could just say, dude, we got eight, nine, ten veterans. We can just go with those guys and win a championship. Now they tried to go with those two timelines and it's ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly. I remember talking to, I want to say it was either Moo or Kent Lacob, two guys that are you know, high up in the Warriors organization. And they said, if Moody and Kaminga aren't good this season, we are not going to be good. And I remember being like, wow, that's a... That's not good. From from the actual horse's mouth to hear that, it's one thing to hear like, you know, some Golden State blog say that, right? right? right. It's another thing to hear the owner's son say that, you know? And that's kind of what I feel like is happening you know, all these different role players who are young and all the ones that departed off the championship team that I kind of wanted to get your thoughts about. You you lose Bialicia, you lose Damian Lee, GP2, obviously, Otto Porter, JTA. Who do you who do you think the Warriors miss most? Dude, they miss all of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm gonna give you an answer, but they so here here's what overall the problem i mean there's a lot of issues but one of the big 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 issues is that damian lee and jta i made fun of them a lot they're ready to hoop at all times they're ready to come in there and it's a it's a mid-november game and they're just coming out there they're like yo let's go like i'm gonna give you eight minutes but i'm gonna give you eight minutes right yeah. and kaminga's like i'm coming in here I'll, I'll give you eight minutes maybe i'm gonna stick it off half the time and you know, I'm, I'm trying to – he doesn't even know what's going on out there. JTA and Damian Lee, the two worst guys, though, the five you mentioned, are are, are in there ready to go. And the Warriors miss that. They miss players that are willing to sacrifice. They miss players that know how to play defense. They miss players that can do all that. Now, now of those, I think, when you talk about missing defense, they miss J- GP2 the most. They, they do. You can argue whether it's GP2 or Otto Porter, but I think it's GP2. They miss a guy – that is a absolute game changer defensively. And he papered over a lot of the mistakes that that Clay Thompson made, a lot of the mistakes that Jordan Poole made. And he just gave the Warriors another guy that made him that made them a lethal defense. The Warriors were the best defense in the NBA uh when they could put GP2 out there. They put GP2, Clay, uh, Draymond, Looney, and Wiggins out there. I mean, my God. I mean, that was that that thing had Celtics in a chokehold. The Celtics looked like a I mean, they look like a JV team trying to dribble against GP2 and, and Wiggins and those guys, right? So uh, I think they miss him the most. And I think to your point about Ken Lacob saying uh, Moody and Kaminga need to play well, I think they they thought that Kaminga would be that, like some version of GP2 where it's like, I'm just going to be a dog and just hound guys and finish at the rim and, and just have that mindset. But Kaminga doesn't have that mindset, no. right? It, it, and, and then Moody's another guy that, I think it's just not he's not fast enough. He's not he's not quick enough to be that defensively. And then offensively, uh, he shoots too much. And I think you put you put those two guys in, they just don't have the willingness to sacrifice an IQ uh offensively and defensively. So I think they miss GP2, which is why, which is why I think um, you know, the, the, the they're talking about saying, like, hey, I don't think it'll happen. Like you said, I don't think Portland, why would Portland do it? They're not rebuilding, although I think 
you know, Nurkic, Wiseman. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's your future center. But two timelines. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I don't know if Dame would. Uh, actually, I don't know. Dame, Dame is very Steph-like, actually. Um, but they miss GP two. They they they. Dante DiVincenzo is re- he's actually really good for the Warriors. Um, they need more. They yeah. need more. They have the Warriors have the worst defense in the NBA, and it matches the eye test every second. It's, yeah, 25th, but it looks like the bottom of the bottom, honestly. There's obviously trade deadline talks, all this stuff. Who who do you think, besides KD, the Warriors could actually pick up that would help this team outside of, like, a collection of, you know, role players like Jay Crowder and things like that? Because I think about maybe Julius Randle. I think about Miles Turner. Um, maybe some other guys like uh, Jakob Pertl. You just you just glossed over. You just said you know outside of KD, like 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 that's a like that's a well, realistic. I don't think that's a realistic possibility. That's why we're just like that's why we're just kind of putting it to the side. I wonder if it is. You I do. wonder. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if it is. I think that when when Durant first came to the Warriors, you could argue that not good for him, and maybe it wasn't good for the Warriors overall. Um, just from an optics perspective, obviously I loved it. I think it was great. Yeah. Um, then, the, then KD goes to Brooklyn and, and we know how that's going and the Warriors win another championship. So wouldn't make sense for the Warriors to do it again. Uh, right. This offseason when we're KD requested a trade, but now you're looking at both teams and you're like, from an optics perspective, uh, win, 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 win. They both need each other. You know, I, I think back to the, to the, to the Avengers, I think back to Thanos, you know, you know, KD's coming back to the Warriors. The Warriors are coming back to KD. You know what I mean? Like this is a perfect match. I think at this point in their career uh, to put those two guys together again, I don't care who you give up. It gives a shit. Just, just give it up. Right. (laughs) But who, but, but now you can argue the Warriors are six and nine. They're not winning like this. So go get them. And KD's sitting there and he just, he just talked about how he had to play with Edmund some like quoting guys by name and saying how <laughs> yeah. that just I know he didn't mean it like that. Katie never really does, but sheesh, right? And so I mean, that's the fit. Yes, we can talk about Jacoperto. I think that'd be a good fit. You know, I think I think maybe uh Sadiq Bey or Bojan Bogdanovich, maybe those guys are good fits on Detroit. You can talk about, you know, you mentioned Jay Crowder. There are some, maybe some wings. I think the Warriors kind of need a wing right now. Um, but end of the day, man, like, is Kevin, is, is KD, is that not the move? Like, would you trade Wiseman for Jacoperto? I, I don't, I would, but I don't know if the Warriors would. They're just sitting there and they're like, well, why? Like, like we're going to have to sign him again. Like, Jacoperto's may not even close games in the playoffs. Like, what's the, what's kind of, not what's the point, but like, how much does he actually make us better? Uh, and I'm giving up a guy that maybe I'm still high on who has a high upside, number two pick, all that. So I think to me, it comes back down. I mean, if they're going to make a trade, I, I still don't really think they're going to make a trade. If they're going to make a trade. <laughs> it's going to be for Kevin Durant. Like that, that's what, that's what I would say. Like Joe and Bob, like that's the one where without a doubt, if there is an inkling of Katie wants it to happen, Steph wants it to happen. And I don't mention any other names for a reason. If Steph and Katie want it to happen, like, I think that's the one that, well, that, that could happen. what's interesting to me about that is I said to someone who was around the Warriors organization in a high capacity, no longer is. And I said, um, 
Where do you think KD ends up? This is summer league. Where do you think KD ends up? Where do you think he uh, – and he goes, well, I know where he wants to go. And I go, where? Phoenix? Like Toronto? And he goes, he wants to go back to Golden State. And I go, you think so? And he goes, I know so. I'm 100% positive I spoke with KD about this. And then, you know, he changes his mind so fast, so often. But that – and I wouldn't – I don't think this person would lie. This person's, you know, cream sure. of the crop in terms of integrity. So that has surfaced through his mind at least one time, you know. I don't, it doesn't surprise. It doesn't surprise. I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me, right? I think for someone like him to realize, you don't know what you have un- until it's now gone. I think there were like different reasons. I, again, like I think part of the reasons that made him so miserable at, at Golden State was less so about Golden State, but what people were saying about him, what his own colleagues were saying about him. Clay had a quote that, you know, I don't really care what media says about me. I care about what my what my peers say about me, and I think Clay's Clay's. His peers love him. I think I think players love him. And I think that's, you know, Clay's always going to be secure in that. I think part of KD's insecurity is that is that, you know, some players feel that he took the easy way out. And I think that's what always made the run at Golden State tough. But now I think this is the opportunity. Uh for for I mean it's 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 a fairy tale sto- ending story for Warriors fans, right? And so I think I just think it, it's it's almost like LeBron going back to Cleveland. It, it's not the same because that was objectively a great story and a great ending. But if you're Durant and and you have the opportunity to say, you know what, I can get out of Brooklyn and also I can save Golden State. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 a perfect story. I think the Warriors would do it. I just the second question after that is like, so is it going to be Draymond? Is it going to be Clay? Can't be Wiggins. Who's it going to be? be? It could be Wiggins. It could yeah, that's, be Wiggins. that's tough, right? Because, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I, I would say Wiggins too. But, you know, he he took a pay cut for the team. And I think part of what the war, like part of what good organizations do is, is you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to say, Hey, you know, you took a pay cut. Now we're going to send you to Brooklyn, a shitty situation. Um, I think that's tough. I think Bob Myers is not someone that would do that. Um, but again, it's like, well, would they do that to Clay? You know, are they going to send him over there? So Draymond's probably your best bet, right? Because Draymond's the guy where you'll probably have the most friction with with the front office. Draymond, Kaminga, Wiseman, picks. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And, you know, Draymond can't yell at KD anymore, and Draymond can't punch pool. But at the same time, it comes back down to this, though. Can you win a championship? without that guy as your defensive anchor. I don't, I actually don't, I mean, look, you got Steph and Katie, it solves, you know, 99% of your problems, but I, you know, I, I, yeah, I got a and soft Wiggins, spot. And guy. if you're not giving up Wiggins, then you still have Wiggins and Katie and Clay and possibly Steph and yes. Poole yeah. and probably a collection of other role players that you'll get for nothing at yes. the deadline, you know? Yeah. And Looney. Yeah. And Moody. Yeah. Moody. Or Looney. Looney. No. Or yeah, Looney, yeah, Looney. So I did a, a thing with Locked On, like a cross promotion, mm. and I previewed. I don't know if you know this. I previewed like all the NBA teams, and uh, it was on all these different Locked On feeds. So I was listening to different Locked On feeds just to make sure that it was like in there. So I was listening to the 
Golden State locked on feed. And I didn't really think much of it at all until uh, you guys got caught, like you guys got strays from this same guy. He came after you guys for what reason? Like, is what's the, is there a backstory here? It was just so unwarranted. I don't know how you get dragged into these things. You know, it's, you got the KD stuff where, where, you know, he, he, you know, he didn't like me for whatever reason. And I always go, you know, KD never talked to me. You guys know that, right? Like he, (laughs) he never, he never even acknowledged me. I I don't take, I I don't, this is not my 15 minutes of fame. I don't even, you know, I like the guy. The guy seems cool. He seems nice. Um, I never, I never, Yeah, I don't know him and he doesn't know me. So this is really has nothing to do with us. But, you know, pe- people like drama. I like drama, actually. So I'm not even going to. I like drama. I like chaos. I like watching, you know, love is blind. It's my it's my shit. Um, this stuff was was funny. So he, here's what I think happened. I, I do think, you know, if you don't already subscribe to the Light Years podcast. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, in, in Warriors Twitter, Warriors fandom that people because it's so passionate and the Warriors are so good, people tend to take different places, uh, to take different stances. And I think there's a lot of fans that say, well, you can't you can't criticize James Wiseman. He's too young. He's this and that. you got to be a real Warriors fan and cheer for the team. And then you've got the segment that are like, you know, we're going to stand behind Klay Thompson and this and that and trust the front office no matter what and and and, and all this. And I think there's a lot of fan policing that goes on. And I think people get really annoyed and jealous of, uh, of Sam and I's show because we just, you know, we just tend to screw around and have fun. And I think people, a lot of people take this more seriously than they should. And I'm always like, we're just, we're just, you know, dudes or women, you know, just sitting behind some mics and chopping the shit up. And I think people take it too serious. So guys, obviously emotional. He's obviously jealous of the light years podcast. It's fine. It's uh Oh my, is. Oh my dude. Hey guys. Wow. I'm out. We got How a you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a guess as to who Andy was talking about. <laughs> um, Do you think there's this like dislike by old school media to this non media coverage that happens to be wildly popular and successful, especially on the places where it matters most, like social media? I think I only see it from people who are in old media who are unsuccessful, uh, because. Andy and I have great relationships with a lot of the more senior writers who are doing very well. They hop on our show. They get what we do. You know, they, they, they treat us like we're just another like radio show or talk show that they go on. They understand uh, it's a good way to, you know, get their content out there to, to the masses. Uh, it's really only like the subset of people who are insecure uh, about their own job. And, you know, maybe are not well-read or maybe are not um, resonating that seem to, to have this beef. Sam and I just have fun. We don't, we don't take it. We, we like hearing from fans. We don't agree. I don't even agree with Sam half the time, but it doesn't really matter. Right. I think a lot of the times, a, a lot of, a lot I? of media, yeah, a <laughs> lot of media don't, they just want people to agree with them. They're just like, Hey, like we, we want people, we, we, feel like we are smarter than you and what we say is more important. Whereas I do think Sam and I sit here and we're just like, nah, we just, or at least for me, I just say shit. Like, Hey, whether people like it or not, I don't really care. I'll just say stuff. And it just turns out people like hearing it. And I never, I would never say I'm right. Obviously when I'm right, I'll say I'm right. When I'm wrong, I never say anything, obviously. Um, but outside yeah. of that, I think we just, yeah, I obviously believe what I say is true. 
that doesn't mean I have a hundred percent hit rate. Like, like, like everyone else, I, I have my misses, uh, you know, like the obvious one would be like Andrew Wiggins. I did not see his play coming around the way I thought it would, but like, it's life, you know, you guys were very, uh, mad at me when I said James Wiseman was a deer in headlights and would never develop. And here we are two years later and you guys are now, you you called your shot early. Um, I did. I mean, I'll give my one Wiseman take nothing. I don't think he wants to be a center. I think he thinks he's a guard. I think watching him and it's just frustrating because it's like they want him to do center things and you see all he wants to do is like try to be Kevin Durant. What are you guys most optimistic about? Steph winning the MVP? <laughs> you know, that <laughs> it's so far that at that point, like, I don't, I don't, it'd be cool, but I don't care. It, it also probably means the Warriors, like the, the the Warriors, Steph winning the MVP probably means that he scored. I mean, we're watching it. He's scoring a lot of points. That's a great, but the team sucks. <laughs> team sucks. You know, you know, I don't know. Sam, it, it's, it's a dark time in, in the Bay Area, which is sad. They just won a championship four months ago. I would say the reason to be optimistic is their starting lineup still kind of kills most teams. Um, so like, Yes, they're not going to win a title with this roster, but they need to tweak the bench, which I think is easier than being like, yeah, we we need like another superstar. You know, that's a little harder. So like if I was to hold on to optimism, it's like they should be able to find an auto porter uh, or, you know, someone like that in the trade market. uh, And potentially that's the kind of thing that gets them moving in a good direction. But I don't even know if I believe that. So that's just me. That's just me. You're asking me, give me the optimistic spin. That's my optimistic spin. Do you think that a a valuable defensive role player unlocks Jordan Poole or does Jordan Poole's psyche command him to start? I think if you put smarter players around him who can defend, he will look more like the Jordan Poole we saw last year. Um, He played really well off the bench last year. He He also played well as a starter. And like 90% of the reason he plays well as a starter is because who do they have in the starting lineup? Steph. Smart defenders yeah. also. You know? yeah. Also Steph. Everyone plays better with Steph. But it's like, everyone yeah, knows. playing next to Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, that type of stuff. Like, it's different than playing next to Anthony Lamb, who no one knew about a month ago. And um, whatever, you know, uh, non-voting age youngster they want to throw out there with him, right? Reddit Warriors asked me for my next – my. I think they have the next 12 games – uh, mm-hmm. But the next 10, how many wins do you think? What do you think the record is? What do you I think it is? I don't even have to look at the schedule. Uh, <laughs> I, because I, I, the Warriors could lose. To, I mean, it doesn't matter who anyone, they play. They anyone. lost to freaking, they've lost to Charlotte without them. Like, they could lose I watched anywhere. them lose that Detroit game in Detroit. I came for that. E40 was in the building. He was in Detroit. Why was E40 Detroit? came to watch you guys lose to the Pistons. And by the way, they weren't close in that game. Like, they didn't have a no. shot. E40 like came time. to watch Isaiah Stewart emasculate James Wiseman. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I would say like five and five. Yeah, yeah I go yeah. five and five too. This this team just screams five hundred. It's like Steph goes for fifty, and maybe it's enough, and maybe it's not. He has to go for forty to beat the Kings at home. Like I just I can't get it. it just you're watching that, and you're so happy because your Steph is so amazing. But at the same time, in the back of your head, you're just like, that's what they needed. That that's what they needed to do that. Seven, so, which is what twenty eight. Like, how do they get the good vibes back? How do we get the like happiness vibes back? No one's happy, right? 
No one's whoa. whoa Bring what? back Juan Toscano Anderson. Where's Kent Bazemore at? I mean, I'm seriously. Honestly, though, like vets who embrace being bench vets and don't really give a shit about their stats because they know that like their role is to be the good vibes guy probably would help instead of a bunch of kids who are like butthurt they're not getting the minutes they think they deserve and i I can't even i can't even blame the kids in some ways it's like it's you've created a very untenable situation by like by, by merging the two and it's hard enough you know so fine what does fine mean does fine mean playoffs does fine mean finals does fine mean what uh contending uh yeah. they want to they want a title last year they, yeah. like is anyone going to be content with like steph got him to the first round no shot you know it's just like it's you you know that there is a core of a title team here like they did it with at least six of these players they just need to you know figure it out around those guys is my bigger thing steph i i think this is the year steph is going to ask for change like he's i was i was saying it earlier sam he knows it's only it's one year left two years left there's not much left in the tank for steph curry i know we think he can go to 40 but there's not much left in the tank um it's the lebron it's like the lebron there's two three years left and if he wins five I mean, you know, well, and that's, and that's the larger point. Fuck them kids. Even if they drafted correctly, even if they, okay. So who's the best player available at number two, probably LaMelo. Who is the best player available at number Tyrese Halliburton seven? Would have been better than yeah. LaMelo. Sure. Well, either way, <laughs> um, or like, you know, Franz Wagner, the I following know, year, neither of those guys are ever going to be Steph Curry. And that's no. kind of the point. Yeah. Even if they nailed those picks and they were productive players, this team's in better position. This is probably the best player that's ever going to be on Joe Lacob's Warriors. He's going to probably die before they get a player of Steph's caliber. He's 65 years old. Let's be let's be honest about it. This this is like a what is he top 10 player of all time? Yes. I mean, is he like that alone? Just do the math. Like the odds you're going to have a player who matters as much to your franchise again are is limited, you know, like, so just go all in, deal with the future when the future comes, you know, would you rather, would you rather have, um, okay, it's officially over. Steph's 37. He's old. He's washed time to rebuild or like try to be super cute with it. And then feel like you left a couple chances on the table. Yeah, I saw that that Steve Kerr quote. He said that he thinks this could be the last year or maybe next year is the last year of the dynasty and that they're in the final stages. Yeah, (laughs) that is super dramatic. Do you think that was like a veiled, like, message too? Like, hey, this is it, guys. Like, I know you think in Silicon Valley there's like just forever. Or I guess what do you kind of what your what is your take on that? Steve is, is, I think he knows. He is dramatic, but he's smart. He knows that if they don't do something, that nothing, like I don't think much changes materially on this team. Back to Sam's point, Victor Wembenyama, who who is like the best draft prospect that we've seen ever yeah, good video game since LeBron, he has like a 5% chance of being better than Steph. 1% chance of being better than Steph. And... 
that I think is so you're talking about Wiseman and Kaminga, like those guys might have a 0.0001% chance of duplicating this. So back to Steve's quote. Yeah. I think he realizes that. I think 2020, 2021, you can argue. I think Steve's argument was, you know, Clay's out. But here we are, two years later. missed a whole year, and he's 33, and, you know, guards of his age don't tend to get better at this stage. Like, I I can understand the doubt until you start seeing him play again. And, and like, there was a whole COVID layoff. Like, no one really knew what was going on there. It wasn't even a championship played that season. You know what I mean? Like, that thing, that thing, yeah, you know. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, what was that? That uh, was Walt that? Disney World tournament. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> didn't even have a parade. <laughs> to this day, to this day. <laughs> um, but like, I, I do think, yeah, and and it's obvious. Steve's point is like, you know, kind of seize the moment. Like, Steph looks like he's going to do it for the next five years, but like, who knows, right? Oh. Um, he's thirty-four. He's already in uncharted territory for like a guard of his size continuing to play at this level, like you kind of have to treat every year. Like it could be the last LeBron's done. done. Like his career is over. You watch him play and you know, he'll still go for 30. He's on the shop more than he's on the Lakers these days. (laughs) He's done. Like he is finished and that stuff just happens quick. And uh, although it it feels like he's been, he's it's been supposed to happen for years now, but I think you can argue, uh, you can finally say at this point, he's done. And I think that's going to happen to Steph at some point. And but, he and, is going and, to be done. Yeah, that's the point. Like, when they when they won that AAU tournament, I mean, I still felt like LeBron had, like, yeah. three to four more years in him. And now we're two years later, and it's like, it's just very clear he's in, like, Wizards Jordan phase yeah. of his career. Yeah. You know, where it's like, he's obviously still really good. And it's fun to watch him in the sense of, like, you know, all-time great. But it's like his days of, you know, oh shit, it's LeBron and he's going to destroy us or, or over. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the point with, with Steph where it's like, it looks like he's in the middle of his prime, but like, be real about it. You don't know if he's going to lose a step next year or a year after that. Like these things happen, go for it. Like Tom, leave, let, live with it. You know, Tom Brady might be done, you know, although, you know, the divorce might've helped him out, but like, that's another guy that played into his forties and, and FTX losing $650 million as well. By the way, Steph, Steph ended up. That was maybe the worst alignment, brand alignment, mm. where he's like, the you don't have to are, know the anything. The Warriors are fully aligned with him. It's not just Steph. It's like the they <laughs> Monday they gave away Jordan Poole bobbleheads <laughs> with FTX. FTX. Uh, oh branding no, Monday. On it. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, well, they clearly already printed them, you know. So. Any other parting thoughts as you guys have given me so much time? Thank you for jumping on. I know you were uh, almost unable to. I was, I was double booked. Um, I thought it was going to go for an hour. I saw I got a half hour back, and I saw I still had a link to StreamYard, so I took my chance. Let, let's, let's go. All right, a hey, final take. The Western Conference is bad. It is not good. I know that there's a lot of good teams hypothetically, but it is not a good conference. Uh, I, as a Warriors fan, you are still not scared of any of these teams. Uh, Kawhi is questionable tonight. He is questionable in his life. That's how he is. So who knows if he's ever going to be back? But uh, I think you can argue the Warriors still have a good chance of uh, of making the NBA Finals. That's... And once you make the Finals, all that matters. So, and that's why they should go for it because Andy is right. Like I think Memphis probably the best other best team in the West. Oh, yeah, they're good. Um, and uh, you know they're nice, but they're not like they're very not, vulnerable. It's, it's not the '96 Bulls. You know, you're not no. like staring down the KD Warriors where you're like. Yaka Pirtle is not going to make a difference here. It's like, it's very much a couple tweaks and get back on track and you can easily win the West type of situation.
Correct. Correct. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that as well. Specifically considering I watched Memphis play the Wizards. And mind you, there was no jaw, no Bane, no Jaron Jackson. But, like, Jaron Jackson I don't think is a very good basketball player. Like, I don't think oh, I don't think – offensively, I don't think he's – A lot of threes. Got, a lot of threes. Just a lot of flat 15-year-old girl threes. <laughs> like, just so gross. Just so bad. I like him as a person. like him as a defender. But I don't know. I think that they're very a very vulnerable team. Jaw obviously has had ankle issues that whole time. You know, last year, this year, still. That was the reason he didn't play in the Wizards game. Desmond yeah. Bain's been out. So you're you're an injury away. I think the Mavs have real problems. Mm-hmm. Utah's yeah. not a good a team. team. Yeah. yeah. Clippers. So. I don't. I mean, I, it's whatever. You know, Who do you like, think's the so best team in the West? Probably Memphis right now. Like. um, as much as like the idea of the Clippers is good, like at a certain point, it's like I kind of need to see Kawhi play ten games in a row, like five whatever. games in a row. Yeah, three so games like, in I, a row. Even if he's one, even game. if he's healthy in the playoffs, I don't believe he's going to make it through. Because he has so. to play in playoff. Like you have to play. What if he just doesn't play? Denver, I think, yeah. is good, but like I don't know. They feel they also feel a tweak away in the playoffs. Like who are they going to guard? Type of situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's all kind of it's there for. It's there for the taking. It's like a, Andy said it correctly. It's a lot of like forty-eight win teams. It's a lot yeah. of like good teams, not no great teams. You don't no gotta play. You don't gotta play Boston and Milwaukee to the finals. And once you get to the finals, you're just one Steph Curry performance away from stealing that thing. Just and, little, uh, little game four in the Garden, yeah. and yeah. you are good to go. Number five on the way for the Wakona State. Our dubs, as I've always said, are going to be fine. Championship aspirations still on. Much love to Sam and Andy for joining the show for a third straight year, actually, now. And actually, the the Warrior season kind of feels like the first season that I met him, 2020, 2021, where it's just Steph and a bunch of dudes, just a bunch of role players out there doing nothing. Give him a follow, uh, some of the best follows in the NBA. Social at at Andy, K-H-L-I-U, and at Sam, E-S-F-A-N-D-I-A-R-I. Savage, funny, honest, love them. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with an all-new episode. Check out the feed for past episodes and many episodes which drop pretty much every day. Follow the Heat Check as the season continues to heat up. And do not forget to download, subscribe, please tell your friends, and follow us on social at at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok.